Earlier today, I had the opportunity to speak to Vas Paparoglu from Collins Street Value Fund. Collins Street's had a five-year track record and in the last 12 months has returned around 60%. I haven't had a negative performance in the last 12 months. So I wanted to know what was behind that and how they went about things. Turns out they do things a bit differently. They don't charge a management fee and they take concentrated but value bets in specific industries or themes. One of the themes they've invested in in the existing fund was uranium, which was an unloved asset class and probably still is. Now they're looking at another unloved industry, basically the oil industry and specifically offshore oil services and processing. Vas, welcome. Good to talk to you and welcome to Australian Fund Monitors. Uh, your funds had good performance over the past 12 months. It's probably an understatement, but 60% over the past 12 months. And you've just produced a small return for July, which is your 12th consecutive positive monthly performance. Um, tell me how you've done that and a little bit about the Collins Street Value Fund. So, look, the reality is, our 12 months of positive performance is uh, by nature sheer luck. Um, I mean, like any long-only fund, you're bound to have negative months. Um, I think the, 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 the big returns that came from the last 12 months really were the seeds were, were, were sown probably two to three years ago um, as with a thematic our investment in uranium, which uh, has panned out reasonably well. And at the same time, we, we did hold uh, an elevated cash level coming into COVID. Uh, not so much that we predicted COVID. Uh, it was just that markets were a little bit expensive for us in, in the late 19, uh, 2019 year. And, and being a concentrated fund, if, if there aren't any asymmetric opportunities we like, um, we hold cash. And, and so I think that those are the two reasons to to you know, why we've had a, a pretty good 12 months. So a couple of things there. If you thought the market was expensive coming into COVID, there are arguments that it's even more expensive now. Where do you, where do you see the investing world or the investing opportunities now? Yeah, that's a very good point, Chris. I, I think on a high level, I, I do think markets and indices are quite expensive. However, um, I guess the big difference we're finding now is, is the, the you know, top 200 or top 300 stocks of, of most indices, I think they are through the roof when it comes to valuation metrics, uh, potentially for numerous reasons, whether it's the, the index funds just buying whatever's big or whether it's uh, everyone just buying uh, the afterpays of this world. But ultimately, we're, we're finding the disconnect with the smaller market cap companies that aren't in the uh, top indices that have been left behind. Um, this is where we are finding value. And so, yes, granted, the indice as a whole might be high. There are certainly pockets of opportunity if you're willing to look down the mid to small cap space. And are you still uh, offsetting risk or reducing risk by holding reasonable amounts of cash? Look, we are by default. Obviously, the, the more cash uh, you hold, the less a potential drawdown is. However, we're not holding elevated levels of cash because we are worried. 
we're simply just waiting for the next opportunity to present themselves. Um, we are a concentrated fund. When we do find something we like that passes all our due diligence, um, we, you know, we're not scared to, to make it a significant position of the funds. One of your themes in the existing fund, in the Collins Street Value Fund, was uranium. And you took a, a significant uh, a stake in, in uranium as a theme. How did that play out? So that played out very well. Um, how the idea came about actually is, uh, you know, three about three and a half years ago, we were talking to a few brokers um, and they were pitching oil um, to us. And uh, the next kind of comment uh, we made to them was perhaps pitch an idea that you're scared of pitching because uh, whether for political reasons um, or, or just conceptually it's, it's unloved, we want to hear about those ideas. And, and uranium um, was something that was mentioned to us on, on the passing and and we did a deep dive into that industry and we found that there were only one or two global producers that were actually making money um, with the current spot rate. And so basically uh, we took a basket approach. So we invested in most of the ASX listed uranium companies. Um, most of them still today aren't producing, but the biggest being Paladin, which was our largest exposure its mine was in care and maintenance. So, so they already had fixed costs, they uh, sunk capex. And basically it was, uh, it's a story where we're just waiting for the spot price of uranium to tick up. Um, and hopefully they would, uh, I guess, turn, restart the mine. Um, the ironic thing about our uranium matic is it, it did nothing for three years. And then uh, in the last six months, on average, the stocks have risen between three to 500%. And so we, we uh, have actually reduced our position significantly uh, by more than 80%. And um, we've significantly de-risked that part of the portfolio. And, and that, that's probably the main reason to why we actually have elevated levels of cash is, is from the realisation of profits from our uranium thematic which took three and a half years, uh, but as long-term concentrated uh, value investors, we were more than willing to wait that time. And, um, yeah, we were very pleased with the outcome. So, Bess, you're obviously prepared to take a long-term view. I mean, a lot of fund managers say that, you know, we're prepared to take a long-term view. But in this case, you were prepared to take an unloved sector uh, that obviously showed potential um, uh, prices were uh, rock bottom, uh, possibly, but, but certainly cheap. And you're prepared to wait it out until the thematic uh, came about. But you've got a new fund now which is doing similar things. Can you tell me about that? Sure. So with our main fund being the Collins Street Value Fund, our mandate is long-only ASX. And so our universe is, is the ASX-listed sphere. Now, uh, part of our uh, due diligence in an existing ASX-listed company that our main fund owns um, led us into having a deep dive into the offshore oil services sector. Now, our first point of call was to find ways to play that thematic on the ASX. And unfortunately, apart from the one company we own, uh, we weren't able to find any other companies of significance um, that uh, basically service the offshore oil services sector. So because of that, 
uh, we decided to look slightly on a global level um, and we've found a basket of roughly a dozen global listed oil services companies whose market cap ranges between US 500 million to up to 4 billion. Um, and we've decided to set up a separate fund with a one-off mandate to invest exclusively in the offshore oil services sector. Uh, the fund is a close-ended fund. So this is the last month we will be accepting applications. Um, and we expect the returns uh, hopefully to be achieved within three years or less. It's similar to your uranium theme in that it was an unloved or it is an unloved sector. It's possibly also, uh, you know, politically, I won't call it politically incorrect, but perhaps uh, politically off the ESG um, uh, radar of, of a lot of investors nowadays. So that sort of reiterates your uh, potential to take an unloved sector and to have a go at it where the value is there. But why the offshore oil sector? Sure. Look, um, ultimately, as, as a deep value investor, um, you know, we value all companies according to their prospective cash flows, um, whether it's on a PE basis or, or a DCF basis. Um, but I guess because of all the potential political and ESG issues that you just mentioned, I, I guess that's one of the reasons to why we're finding such deep value within the sector. Um, another reason, and I guess the more important reason to our investment thematic in this sector is you can actually still have an industry that's in decline, yet if supply falls greater than the demand decline, pricing or pricing power for the businesses that are still in operation can actually improve and margins can improve and cash flows can improve. So with the offshore oil services sector, there, there is only roughly a dozen globally significant listed companies that are out there. Now, out of that dozen, a lot of them have already entered Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the past, have already come out of that process, have recapitalized their balance sheets, have new shareholders that are value-focused, such as PE, private equity, and funds such as ourselves. And you also have the assets within the offshore oil services sector. So I'm talking about the drill ships, the exploration ships, the, the floaters, the riggers, any type of asset you can think of that is utilised in the offshore oil services sector, a lot of those assets have been put on shelf and basically the supply side is dwindling, in our view, greater than the demand decline. And so you're going to have a group of businesses that are shrinking, in our opinion, to greatness when it comes to a cash flow perspective. And so basically... We have seen day rates on a lot of these assets pick up over the last three months. Um, we are of the view that oil granted long-term is in decline, but the reality is it doesn't matter which analyst, which economist or which government agency you look at, oil demand will still be going up until 2030. Now, the question mark is, when will demand start to fall? Is it 2030? Is it 2040, 2050? We don't know. We're not smart enough. But what we do know is if we can buy well-capitalised businesses that have minimal debt or, in some instances, net cash on their balance sheet, are trading at 15 to 20% of their replacement costs, are businesses that are relatively large and can be purchased at three to five times cash flows, 
and have minimal capex because their assets last decades, then we think the opportunity lies to make some pretty good risk-adjusted returns. Now, now we understand that the offshore oil services sector, the companies within that sector will never be trading at premiums to the market. They're never going to be market darlings. But in saying that, um, we still think on a risk-adjusted basis, there can be significant upside from today's uh, depressed levels. So this is a sort of straw hats in winter type strategy. It is, it is. Uh, and, and ultimately, um, the beauty about an industry that everyone believes is in decline is even those businesses won't invest in growth assets. Even those businesses won't go on acquisition binges. They will, should be cash cows. And ultimately, if you have a cash cow from a listed perspective and management aren't going to go on acquisition binges or going to to buy new big assets. There's only two scenarios they can do with the cash. That is to pay out nice dividends or to do share buybacks. Either or, in our opinion, would be hugely uh, accretive to the shareholder for some of these globally significant companies. Vance, let's just have a look at the structure. You're talking about a fixed three-year term? Yeah, so the, the term is three years, or, or that's our aim. Um, if um, for some reason it surpasses our three years, which we don't think will happen, um, we have the opportunity to extend by another 12 months and then the, the fund is in wind-up. But based on our knowledge of the industry and based on our experience with uranium, uh, the oil sector, we think, moves a lot quicker than the uranium space. And, um, yeah, so ideally we think it's going to be three years or less um, and the fee structure is going to be similar to our existing fund. We don't charge any flat fees. Uh, the fees are performance only uh, fees, which we take right at the end. Um, as well as that, our interests are aligned. Um, so myself and Michael Goldberg, uh, my business partner and fellow fund manager, you know, both he and I and our respective families um, have put significant amount of money in this uh, second fund as well. And, um, you know, from the fee structure to our own investment, we, we, we really think our interests are aligned to, to that of our investors. Uh, Vass, is the fund generally available for retail or wholesale investors? Yeah, so this fund, uh, well, I mean, all our funds, uh, it, it's wholesale only. Um, so the minimum investment is $250,000, uh, but you have to qualify as a wholesale investor. Um, it's not that we, we don't want to take retail money. It's just uh, from the inception, um, we've decided to head down the, the wholesale route. And, and availability, the funds available generally. Uh, I know it's available on Olivia 123. Yes. So this, uh, this new closed-end fund is available on Olivia 123. Um, the, the only thing is this is the last month. So the month of August is the last month we'll be accepting applications. Um, and then the fund will be closed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're happy to talk to anyone that's interested and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty um, excited. Okay, Vass, great to speak to you. Look forward to speaking soon. Good luck with the new fund and the existing fund as well, of course. Thanks, Griff.